Hey, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to The Mound Visit, the Catcher's Podcast Show. Summer's been a little crazy for Tyler and I, uh, but we do have more in store for all of you very, very soon. Uh, Before we start, we just want to give a quick shout out to Stan and the rest of the focus team down at All-Star Sports. As always, move forward and rise above. All right, on to the seventh inning of Game 4. Here we go. Catchers only podcast show, and we're going to call this episode the international episode. We're not broadcasting from Mexico or any of the Latin American countries. Um, we're coming to you from from Canada, so we, we want to welcome in our next guest. He is a former major league catcher. Um, if you're looking at him right now or on his Twitter page, which is at Andy Stewart twenty eight twenty eight, we see a guy that looks. Very kind of upkept, clean shaven, but we see Andy right now and he looks like Santa Claus. So let's bring him into the show. Let's not Santa Claus, but Andy Stewart, welcome for uh, on the, the podcast here. How are you doing, Andy? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so used to being all clean cut, you know, for the season. <laughs> Let it grow a little bit. Well, we Breaks love it. Through. The thing is impressive. It is. It is. And, and, and I don't want to say this, like, I don't want to, like, you know, profile by any means but it, it kind of fits that that canadian northern type like lumberjack type look for you so um no but it's a pleasure thanks for for hopping on the show uh oh, we're, we're excited to talk some catching with you get to know a little bit about your background kind of what you're doing in today's game and and kind of get your overall opinion of the catching position um like every guest we're going to kick kick off with our rapid fire blocking drill I'm sure you've done a blocking drill in time or two in your career. Absolutely. So my first question is this. Uh, Andy, what was your favorite post-game spread? (laughs) Wow. That's a good one. Um, I think I have to remember that one of my favorites is the the fried chicken. I remember, I remember that specifically um, because uh, there was a few nights there in uh, Wichita when, you know, you're angry because you're playing in double A when you should be like celebrating, you know, like it's not all <laughs> right at the end. And uh, we would come in, I would be the last one, catchers being the last one off the field, right? Because you're dragging all your equipment, everybody's crushing the spread and you get in there and there's no chicken left, right? And oh, no. Seven or, you know, the pitchers didn't start and they're eating the chicken. I'm like, hey, man, like, is there any chicken left? I go, hey, you got it. Like, you know, so I started taking the chicken. I, I was just sweating and I was like, thanks for saving me the chicken. <laughs> chicken all over my, all over my sweaty, bald head and uniform and, and just was like so angry and bitter. We must, it must have been like an 0 for 4 or a loss or whatever. Last <laughs> balls or something. But uh, when I got in there, just tried to send the message. I tried to be the nice leader, you know, hey, guys, you know, like think of others type stuff. But this one resonated with a lot of my friends. Uh, they'll, they'll never forget that uh, fried chicken night. That smells good. I might have to have some more. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had it in a while. So, no, that's a good one. 
Andy, who was your favorite hockey player growing up being from Canada? Well, you know, it's got to be Gretzky, man. You know, like, that's who you emulated. I was right in those years, 1980. You know, I was 10 years old. I mean, you know, hockey was a beautiful thing and everything was perfect in life. And uh, especially uh, seeing that guy just break every record and get an opportunity to watch him play. It was, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So yeah, he was, he was the man. Number 99. There it was. All right. I, you guys, yeah. these questions, who yours was? You're practically Canadian. Come on. No kidding. Right? <laughs> I'm, five, I'm five minutes from Canada. My wife is Canadian, as you know. So yeah, I, I would say my, well, the, the Sabres were actually good when I was growing up um, compared to the last 10 years now. But I like guys like, uh, let's see, Gilbert Perot and Mark oh, Messier. It was a good guy. Um, Great name. I, I always, you know who was like one of my favorite guys and, and the best guy for the video games because he was the fastest? Was, Mal um, was Pavel Bure. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Him and, and McGill crazy in that on that on the video game, you, man. You couldn't you do the one or the one timer with uh, what game was that? It was it was NHL like '84 or something like that. But it was uh, you'd have you do the one timer with Brett Hall, and it was just a guaranteed oh, goal from anywhere. Absolutely, I remember. As you would say, absolutely, I remember. <laughs> All right, Andy. What you got, Ty? All right, my well, sticking kind of somewhat of a, a hockey theme I guess sure. more so into baseball though um I always named my my mitts my catcher's mitts and you know some of them were things that I could share and some were not but um I know some hockey players named their hockey sticks did you yeah. ever name any of your catcher's mitts or your bats or anything like that you know I really uh that's funny is that uh <laughs> I don't recall naming any of my equipment. Uh, um, I, you know, that's kind of funny. You'd think that I would have, right? Like, you know, <laughs> or, you know, Judy or something like that. Or, but, uh, you know, I, I, no, I'd never, I'd never named any of my gear, but, uh, you know, the only time I've had interaction with my gear is that I used to have that little, that little, uh, Wilson, uh, thing right here. And I, and that little panic button. I said, when, when pressure was on, I just, <laughs> I like running on third, you know, game winning run or whatever. I just press this little panic button, kind of calm, <laughs> made me relax. Who was your? Who was the biggest personality? Or the, who was the biggest uh, jokester on the 2004 Olympic team? Oh shit! Um, you know, I want to say Aaron Guile, the Guile family. They're funny. I don't know if you you met Jeff and Aaron. Mm -hmm. Good, good, funny guys. Like we, you know how we have that Greek. It's kind of like that hockey music. So every every time we do a team stretch, it was the giant circle. Like we went old school, right? And then anytime that little Greek little music came on, right, he would start doing that little like you know where you said a Russian dance sort of like. Yep. It wasn't had nothing to do with being Greek or anything. It just it just kind of fitted, and there he was. He'd always do this little Russian dance. We got us going every time, but it was hilarious. He's a funny dude. All right. So so my my last question here for you, Andy, is, um, you know, I'm always fascinated by 
what people who, who people emulate their game after um, kind of when they're they're coming up and it, it, for me uh, you know I don't I don't like necessarily talking about myself but I always try to emulate myself after somebody that wasn't even a catcher um, just like the way they carry themselves and you know I grew up in the the Derek Jeter era and so I always tried to carry myself like Derek Jeter was there anybody that you felt like and, and this could go beyond catching or somebody that you just looked up to you said this is how I want to model my game after um, when I enter this pro game or something like that well yeah um, one of the guys that like I didn't know really know know him just know of him was George Brett you know like when I was uh, when I was a Blue Jays fan you know and growing up you know and they the Jays are up three to one, three games going to the World Series, and they came back. And it's a great story for the Royals, right? But not so yeah. much for the Jays. But uh, then when I eventually got with the Royals, I, I just always looked up to this guy. Like, I just loved the way he played, how hard he played, just his attitude, his personality, the way he treated other people. Um, I just saw, like, a true pro, you know? Like, and it just seemed like he, he was always, like, one of the guys. And then later I got to know him. And I'll never forget, like, my first big league camp. Uh, was, uh, you know, you're in the shower. It's always kind of weird. You're looking at, you know, at <laughs> it's like, there's George Brett over there. And you're like, what? You know, so we're having a shave. Actually, it's funny. We're shaving. And I was just standing there. And he pulls up beside me in the next sink, you know, right this next window, basically. I'm, I'm looking at him in the mirror, you know, like, holy, that's George Brett. And, he, you know, would look at you and say, how you doing? You know, really made you feel just – just made you feel like one of the guys never felt like he never big league. If anybody was going to big league, it would be him, you know? And, and I just, over the years, I'd spent like four or five big league camps and George was always just a super guy. Like I remember one time playing cards, cribbage, you know, in a Canadian game, we love playing cribbage. Uh -huh. Me and my buddy, Robert Toth against him and another, you know, like Frank white or something, you know, it was like, awesome. I'm playing. So they told me it was like so many such point, how much this and that. So anyway, like we lost and <laughs> so I paid my debt, right? I, I didn't pay George, but I paid the other guy. I don't know who exactly who it was, but I saw and Robert didn't. So for years, George's like, hey, have you seen Robert Toth? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> tell him he owes me 20 bucks. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I tell him. And then year, this went on, like I'm talking 10, 15 years later. And we, I saw him at a trade show and he's like, hey, have you seen Robert Toth? And I'm like, no. He's like, yeah. Tell him he owes me twenty bucks. And I and I told, I called Rob. Robert George is after you for that twenty. He's like, screw him, man. He's got so much money. I go, yeah, but that's not how to do it. <laughs> like that, you're not, you're not being a professional. And that's what I, I look at George. You know, pay your debts, be a good character, and play. You know, no matter what you do off the field, when you step, you put that uniform on. You know, just play as hard as you can. Right. And that's the way he played. And I love, that's what I loved about him. I have one last question. So yeah, put you that's on, it. That's your last you, question you of the, the night, spot. right, Chris? Yep. That's your last is, question this, of the night. This is the clincher right here. This will be a good. This might. This might be all I need for the rest of it. All right. Jim Bean and so, Ginger. Jim Bean and Ginger is what's sponsoring our our show tonight. <laughs> now, being that I was in Ottawa for a couple of years we had the luxury of having the Canadian national anthem and the American national anthem before every home game. Yeah. However, yeah. <laughs> we, they never sung it, the song in English. So oh, yeah. my always, my big thing is 
I can sing the French version of the national anthem. Can right. you? Uh, kinda, I believe. Are we? Are you? Are you? Shall, you, shall, shall we sing it? <laughs> are you, I, like I kind of need you to kind of terra de nuazaya, you know, like uh, Tom Frost. Oh, are you ready for this? We're gonna we're yeah. gonna sing the Canadian national anthem right. in French. <laughs> All right. You ready? A one. Uh, the first word. Oh, Canada, tires that no Tone from the sand, if Fleuron's glory, our cross support the pay, our support the lac, on a swipe to a pay, the Fleuron's exploit, et all right, you beat me there. Can you finish it? No. I don't know. <laughs> Play along. That's so here, here, the, the, end of, the end of it is obviously O Canada, and then it was um, no spoiler, no droit. So droit in French is spelled D-R-O-I-T-S. So yeah. I remember the whole bullpen, whenever we got to the very end of this song, yeah. we're all down the line, and we would just scream out droits. Like, we would sing it like a regneck. And uh, it was probably a little disrespectful, but we had a great time with that. No, I used to, I used to, I used to play that game in, in French class all the time. Got to. <laughs> a hard pronunciation is fun. <laughs> so I think I'm good with questions for tonight, Tyler. Go ahead. Talk <laughs> catching. Well, that was awesome. That was very yeah. impressive. It's tough, yeah. I, I told my wife that I was going to do that tonight. She's like, you are not going to sing the national anthem. I said, I am. In front, that's impressive. Thanks, Très bien. Très bien. Très bien. Too, bad our, too bad our borders are closed. We could have got together. No, for sure. When it opens up, I'm, I'm heading your way. For good, right? No. Camp. Super camp. <laughs> I just left. I was, I was out down there for 25 years. I just came back four years ago. You know? like, oh, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm happy. Good to be home. Good, good. Well, we're talking with uh, former Major League catcher Andy Stewart. Andy, um, we kind of want to make this theme, I think, for tonight, the status of the game and, and more so the status of our position as it relates to catching. You know, I guess I have one more follow-up question is, and, and I think this is always a good Kickstarter. Um, it gets a, the conversation really rolling. But um, everybody's opinion matters, it, and, I, and I think it truly does. But I want to hear you what your opinion is of of the one knee setup. Well, I mean, I, when when I'm 50 years old, I love it. <laughs> like I'm thinking, like, holy cow! I, you know, I could have extended my career and not had the meniscus problems and not and not had the uh, um, you know the, the the knee savers kicking like Chris and I were back in in the in the mid late 90s. Uh, uh, I think that there's a time and a place for it. Yeah, I really do. I think there's a time and a place for it. I think that if I was, if it was me today, I'd be, I'd be thinking it'd be, um, you know, first pitch, you know, just like any other setup. If I get two strikes, I gotta, I've got to get in a more athletic position. I have to be, uh, be able to move more laterally. And uh, I don't, I just don't like to set myself up. You know, like if I'm, anytime I took a knee, and if I, if, if something got away, it'd be because I'm on my knee or. You know, if you're doing something like if you're not, 
like I just like to do things the way that I was taught, you know, like, and it's just, just, that's what's happening. The kids are being taught different ways. So that's just what they, they've been given the okay by their coaches. And it's for me, when I, if I went on a knee, it wasn't okay. And I'm sure Chris is the same way. I mean, there's only a couple guys that seem to be able to earn that one knee luxury. Mm-hmm. And I think a guy like, you know, Tony Pena and uh, Benito Santiago and guys with these incredible arms and athleticism that they can do it. And, 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 and for me, I needed to, uh, but then I look at it, there's other things like, you know, maybe that one knee is giving me some a little bit better footwork. I, you know, I'm seeing that my, um, I'm able to like get that, 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 that heel down quicker, that jab step. It's right there. I don't, you know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. swing it, place it and take more time. So there are some things that, uh, um, that are good with it. Like the other thing too is, you know, at a, at a major league level, guys that miss, they're not missing like, in the amateur game. So it's kind of confusing for the young players too. Like a major league pitcher is going to miss like, you know, in this area, like an amateur, you're off the screen. So you might need a little more mobility. I think it's one of those things that when you see major league players do it, you're kind of like, well, they do it, you know, they're making millions of dollars. And when you make the millions of dollars and you can do that, I'm not going to coach telling me that. So, um, so there's some, some good things and negative things. And I think that the old school and the new school, I think if you can kind of like, if I did it in my, you know, pitch number one and pitch number two, and then if I had two strikes and I'm just, I'm getting back into my, my blocking position. No, I think that's, that's, that's a well um, stated answer to it. And, and a well stated opinion, I should say, you're seeing so much variety and we've had so much variety on the show and we've always targeted that question. It yeah. seems like not number one, but it's gone on. And we've gotten so many different answers. We've gotten so many different things. And, you know, for me and for, I think, just the status of it, it's like we're Matt Wahlbeck, who we had on the show last time, brought up a really good point. He's like, feels like the catchers were doing it more so for their themselves, their statistics, their metrics, mm-hmm. as opposed to then guiding pitchers through the game. So, yeah. like, let's say you hopped off uh, – you know, I'm trying to think, you, you know, you were probably, give me one of your, the aces of the team, of, of the teams that you've caught. Um, like, I'll give you an example. Like, I mean, when I, I'll give you a great example is, you know, Halliday, for example. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. What would he have said if no. he was setting up on a knee? Hell no. He yeah. would have felt I wasn't giving it. I wasn't, comp- you know, I didn't have his back or something, right. you know, like, you know, any pitcher that's the lead, I would think that if I was in his, I would be like, he looks lazy or he's, or it's, if it gets by by him, I'm, I'm pointing that out. Like, that's why. And yes. I know doing stuff like that where I would leave that, that, that window of, of an opinion open. If it was, you know, if anything, I was going to be in the right position and block. And if I didn't block, at least I was in the proper position. And sometimes right. you have control over that, right? And, and the good coaches recognize that. And the good pitchers that understand how difficult that this position is that we play, they, he under, they understand that as well. So they're, but that one knee opens up that doubt of, like, you know, has he really given me 100%? Absolutely. Now, do you feel like this, the, going into more of the, the status as a whole that analytics has gotten so, um, you know, flooded – 
into the thought process of how we approach the game that it, everything is numbers based and it's never on feel anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love the feel. I love that part of the game, man. That's, that's what makes baseball. You love it because there's feeling in it. It's not, you, you, when you, like, it's not like computerized dating, you know, it's, there's actually love, <laughs> have a relationship and you feel with feelings and it's not about a computer. And I, I think that, there's been times I remember, like as a catcher, I just got to feel that this is the right pitch, you know. And then the computer right. may think so, but uh, you know, maybe I, you know, maybe I saw what he was doing the night before, and the computer didn't quite see that, or maybe I know that he's got a bad hand, or or whatever, you know, like things that I know that the analytics may not know in that moment, and uh, and and also like when you're discussing the pitch, you know, like hey, time out, what do you want to throw here? I want to throw this. Well. You know, we got him out on this situation last time. Well, but I feel like I'm, I feel the conviction of it. I want to throw this pitch. All right, let's do that. You know, like, and, and that was the one thing that I was taught, right? Like you, you have your say what you want to do. And then the final say, you'd rather have a guy that's, you know, all in a hundred percent on one pitch and, you know, him second guessing even your theory that might be correct. So, and I think that some of the analytics might take that out of it. Do you feel like that a lot of these guys today are getting too inundated with it, with their scouting reports, with the wristbands, the, the uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, I remember when I was catching, I'd look over if runner got to first base and the manager's telling me to pick or not, you know, yeah. and then obviously you have to have some feel with that too, because you're seeing the runner. Um, yeah. you're, you're understanding his tendency. You know, the guys that want to run. Sure. But, but from your standpoint, let's say you're playing in today's game yeah. and somebody approached you with a, a report that was, you know, an inch thick. Yeah. What are you, what are you saying? What are you thinking at that point? Like I was thinking like, what kind of report, what kind of report, like on me Well, or, or on what I, what I should be doing and how I should be running the game or calling. Yeah. I, yeah. More or less like, Hey, this is the scouting report on, on hitters one through nine. And if these are the guys sure. coming off the bench in this situation. And yeah, I understand that. Okay. I mean, I think that that's something that, that we started doing, you know, maybe not like we, we were doing it in lower levels, but I think when we started, you know, having more pitcher catcher meetings, you know, like sitting there hanging out, let's talk about our plan tonight against, against you know who's hot who's not you know like that's the other thing too is you got to <laughs> all those things that's part of the of, of the relationships that you need to build that makes the game what it is and if you're taking those relationships away it's it's becoming like a like stale like boring like a shell no life and, and i think that that all about feel i even wrote a few things about uh, talking about feel and the importance of relationships and um, trust and all that with your with your pitcher and even your coaches and, and your and your player you, your teammates and and, and um, doing the right things and discussing those things in that moment that might change the actual game plan because you know what maybe his break his curveball isn't working today we got a we were looking at maybe his third pitch is his two pitch today and I think that that's where that feel. And if somebody was telling me that I have to go one way or that's it, I, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. I don't want to be a robot. Yeah. yeah. And hitters, hitters aren't robots either. I mean, you'll go in, you know, who, what's the basic, you know, what is this guy, you played against him for a while, what are his tendencies? Okay. Mm -hmm. And if, if someone's hot right now, then what are they hitting? You know, yeah. you can go, you can go into a game and you can have a guy just 
not have a good series, you know, it happens to everybody, and yeah. might not be able to just get around in a fastball. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's the, the report says don't throw him, you know, a fastball when you're behind the count because he's going to kill it. And then there's times just saying, well, he hasn't done shit yet, so we're yeah. just going to count on this till he either he makes an adjustment or that. You know, we, we've all had it where, you know, you look in and you give up a, a hit and the coach is like, didn't you remember what the report was? And it's like, yeah, but, you know, pitcher didn't hit a spot. Blame it on him. Yeah, yeah, like there, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> always a catcher's left. I love that. Hey, location, baby. It's, uh, you know. But, you know, what's funny is that you say that is that I remember specifically against Buffalo, um, uh, they uh, – <laughs> For some, they, I know what they love. They, they had a scouting report of me was I love to hit the ball the other way, right center. I'm right center guy. I'm, I can hit my that's my where I love to go is up the middle, right center. So they, when I went to Buffalo, they were like, you know, expanding the zone inside, and I, I bit and I fucking, just, I took myself out of my game because I knew they were coming inside, and then I play another team and they're like throwing me all breaking balls away, and I'm like, why are that's their then I have another team that just pitches me away and plays me away. You know, those guys. I'm like, this is – so you got to kind of like as a, as a hitter, or, you know, adapt to each organization because their scouting reports are all – you know, you don't know how you – you might have owned them that weekend series. Like you're saying. And then the next, next team, you're like, you're not just off a bit. And then they, they got you uh, pegged in a different way. So it's kind of weird how you'd have to kind of adjust on, on, on their reports. <laughs> As a hitter, you know, like I, if I would have gone back to Buffalo, I might have said, hey, I'm going to lay off everything. They're trying to bust me in, man. But if I'm really keeping that good approach back through the middle of the field, those, those, uh, those pitches aren't attractive to me. And you run into hitters, too, that are just purely mistake hitters, mm-hmm. you know, where you could, you could have the greatest plan. I'm thinking of, since you're bringing up Buffalo, do you remember Russell Brainian? Oh, God, yeah. Right, so, so Russell would hit, he'd hit 30, 35 home runs. He'd strike out 200 times, and yeah. if you if you threw a ball that was just elevated at his at his uh, letters, he wouldn't yeah. he would he would miss every single time. It wouldn't, and he would know it's coming. I remember there were times where he would step out of the box. He goes, "I know you're throwing it here," and he goes, "I can't. I'm just going to swing and hope that he doesn't hit that spot." And then there are other times where hitters will come up and they're so they just know that they're kind of beat. Like he came up to one series and he looks at me, he goes, he goes, do you know, I could get a hit if I wanted to, by just laying down a bunt. He goes, but the organization be all over my ass. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, you struck out like all last series, all this series, you haven't been on base, take a hit. He's like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm going to hack. But that's the thing, you know, you can, you can set up where you want if, if they don't hit their spot and they leave it over the plate into a guy's yeah. wheelhouse. You know, some guys are just one area, one zone hitters. And if you yeah. hit that zone, it doesn't matter what pitch it is, they're going to tattoo it. Whether you think it's possible or not, that's his. That's just his yep. spot. J.R. Yep. Phillips like that. Yep. Down and in, man. Like, you can't – like, he, he'll look bad on six swings, but you throw him that one – you think you got him leaning out over the plate, you throw him that one spot, it's, it's, it's lights out, bam, home run. That's just mm-hmm. – some people have that gift, man. I call that a gift, but – it also can be a curse, I'm sure. <laughs> so I want to I want to move into you know we're we're creatures of habit I feel like in this game and you know we we like to get people's opinions and and guys that have played at the highest levels opinions on you know just 
what the status, like I said, of the game is, but also kind of what some of your routines were. Um, some things that made you successful, made you feel super confident going into the next game. You know, again, we, we just touched on scouting reports. We just touched on feel of the game and what, what was happening as the course of the game's going on. Eddie, was there anything um, throughout your career that it was a staple in your routine that if you felt like you didn't do it, that you were less confident going into, you know, pitch one or at bat one or whatever? Well, that's pretty cool because, you know, like, those those kind of like little superstitions that I that you kind of you start off in the lower levels and you and, and then over time with so many years <laughs> you kind of realize that that's all they are superstition right like like oh I, I never hit well when I don't hit BP well you play 10 12 years there's gonna be lots of times where you don't hit and you BP and you go out and have one of your best games or so like you kind of like like, I, tr I always tried not to kind of, like, get into that side. Like, you know, like, Wade Boggs had chicken or whatever. I just, <laughs> like, um, my biggest thing was that when I got a chance to play, you know, take advantage of it. Because I was never the guy that was really starting day one. And that was always the hardest. Literally, the hardest day of the season for me was not being the day number one starter. I'll be day two starter or day three maybe or da but i wanted to be that starting you know starting catcher and, I, and that was the hardest one for me but the one one thing for me that got me going is that i always knew that when i had the opportunity just keep working hard it's hard to you know really truly for me it was hard to like you know keep my mouth shut sometimes and not speak my mind but really that's what you have like you try the squeaky wheel you try the non-squeaky wheel best is you know, honestly, is the non-squeaky wheel. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, you never want to be a squeaky wheel. So, like, the best thing for me was, like, when I did get the opportunity, I didn't really have any, you know, I just be, be prepared, you know, know the signs, make, you know, when you get your chance, make the plays, work hard, you know, don't look lost out there. Like, and I would play other positions, too, so I had to, like, my pregame, I was always, like, the ground balls at first, and I'd go in the outfield, and you know, go over to third and shortstop, you know, maybe piss off the shortstop, you know, because what are you doing over here? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Andy, how many, how many years, how many years in before that clicked? So like when you, when you first sign, you know, and you're, you're not the guy and then you're like, well, I'm just as good as this guy. This is, yeah. this is oh. kind of BS why he's playing three games in a row and I'm then playing every fourth game. You know, what the hell, man? What do I have to do? This guy's going to have every opportunity. Yeah. I, I think of the college kids right now where kids will, kids will sign out of high school, they'll show mm -hmm. up to college, and then obviously you're a freshman. You're not going to play your freshman year unless sure. you are an ungodly stud. Right. Um, but it's one of those things where today's kids are like, well, you know, screw this. I'm not playing. I'm done. I'm going somewhere else where I'm going to play. And it's the grass isn't always greener. No, you, know, you have to put in your time. It, and I was I was like that for my first, geez, first three or four years until I finally clicked and said, you know something, this is a business. So and so's got a lot of money invested. Them, they're going to yeah. play. But you know something, I'm pretty confident in what I do, and I know what my abilities are and. I can probably play as long as I want if I just tend to my own garden. 
you know, worry about myself, not anybody else. How many years did it take you before that kind of, that mindset, you know, just go about your own business and then just be ready when your number's called? I, I guess, you know, like, luckily, I, I want to say, I don't want to sound like, like I figured it out right away because I, I was always in a battle mentally with that, like, you know, nonstop. Like, there's friggin' damage, dude. Like, that's, you know, because you, all you want to do is play. And you, sometimes you're out of, you're not in your control. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, that control, that that's keep you out of the lineup, you know. Like, so I learned it really early. And one of the things is there was a guy named Lance Jennings. Did you ever play against Lance Jennings? Name sounds familiar. Who is he with? He, he was with the Royals, and I, I got introduced to him right away when I went down there. Lance Jennings, second-round pick, you know, like, so I was like, oh, okay. You know, and uh, has the nice car and the nice gold chain. And I was like, ugh, free agent, Canada, five grand. He's like, you know, sandwich pick in the first round, Lance, California. And I was like, holy cow, who is this guy? So, you know, and I really got uh, – the one thing that I remember specifically was when infield outfield started, he goes, I'm going to go first. Second round pick goes first. I was like, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> you know? And so I got like really introduced into that and I started, I became really humble because I, I was humble uh, even more. I, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't cocky. Uh, my dad, you know, my dad up here, he was a college athletic director for 26 years at Durham college here. He started the athletic program, like from a rubber basketball and uh, rubber volleyball. This guy's a, is a, is an amazing father and, and filled you with lots of advice on how to handle things going down there, right? So he was cra- he was my agent basically, um, because he had been in sports his whole life and he knew, uh, you know, what he wanted from his athletes coming to college, and he was trying to prepare me to go down there, and it was a mystery, but uh, just try to keep a good attitude. That's really all you can do, right? And and, you know, like you said, tend to your own garden. That's, that's a little Tommy Burgess uh, saying that he used to always say. And, and I, I was surrounded by uh, people that cared a little bit, that, that liked me, and that's what you need to do. Get, you know, you're not going to be liked if you're, if, you get, if you're a squeaky wheel and bitching and moaning. You've got to work hard and keep your mouth shut, right, and then you earn, earn your spot. And then the other thing is when you do get that chance, you've got to take advantage of it. If you don't, you just, you're just better off you know, not even getting a chance. So that's the one thing that it, it's, it's a scary environment, right? So it, it, it sets you, uh, you know, your ways real quick and what, how you need to, to, to treat the situation. There's a lot of things that I feel like we, we go through, um, you know, we, we experience as, as ball players. What was one thing that you loved to do when you, you showed up at the ballpark? Um, you know, and this could be anything from just – like we, I think Chris put out a, a tweet the other day. How many guys have, know what pluck is? I mean, I loved going to the ballpark, you know, three hours, two hours, whatever it was before we were supposed to be on the field for BP and playing pluck. I mean, was there something that you just loved to do? When you got yeah, you know, <laughs> there was like a lot of things that we loved to do after the game. <laughs> and uh, uh, one of those ones that we remember is, uh, you know, the James Bond game and the Nintendo 64. Oh, yeah. Everybody. Oh, oh my God. The tournaments. Yeah. Oh, Gonzalez. You remember the time? Uh, James <laughs> Bond? I'm like, yeah, man. Oh, dude, that was the greatest. But, you know. I then think the- Super Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. I think the best thing for me is like, you know, um, 
getting to the ballpark, you know, and you're just kind of like arriving and you're, and you're talking to the guy. And like, first of all, the mood is always set when you walk in the door and you see your name in the lineup. If it's not there, you're kind of, you know, your mood's different for me anyway, but I still had, I knew I still had lots of work to do, but that, that sometimes I get to the ballpark and the lineup was up and I was like, why the hell am I not in the lineup? <laughs> so that, it always, my mood was always set from the moment I step in there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but I love seeing the guys. Uh, I didn't really like, I, I played all the cards. I played the pluck and the cribbage and, you know, and the hearts. And I, I had to learn hearts, the hearts, spades, hearts was like, you know, the big table game, you know, you gotta, you gotta be really good to play. So sometimes you're like, no, we don't want, we just want to be like in that game. And hopefully uh, you're, you get good enough in the rep and you build it up to, or you can get in that game, but it takes a while. Poker, I learned quick. No, I'm out. Um, just not very good at it. I'm a good donator, but uh, um, I just enjoyed like yeah, my my, my favorite was my favorite was Hearts. I liked I liked Pluck. Pluck was a good game on the bus, like if it was yep. a short trip. But I, I remember in um, in 2000 in Ottawa, we didn't we didn't fly. I mean, we flew to the fur, to the far ones, but I right. mean, we would take a 10 hour bus trip to Pawtucket and there were there were four of us that we bought a we bought like a notepad at the beginning of the year and we played hearts non-stop nice. the whole freaking season nine and a half hours with freaking a case of beer you know yep. and a couple other things on there and it was just it was not it didn't matter if we got in at four in the morning we just we played that was yep. That was the game. And then yep. you'd go in and then at night after the game, you know, it's funny you mentioned James Bond because my, my wife at the time was, you know, she's like, Oh, I, I got you this for, for the season. So yep. you don't go out at night. And I go, what are you talking about? She goes here. And it was a Nintendo 64 yeah. with the James Bond game. And I'm like, that's all I need. That's you a know, great so game. We, I mean, we, we would come home after the game, you know, yeah. you have your, have your, have your food. And yeah. We're neat. We're just, we're in James Bond for like three hours and you go to bed, sleep till 11, get up, maybe work out a little bit and, and go to the field. That was, that was the life. Not you know, a bad, awesome. not a bad life. No, and then, and then games like Tiger Woods golf came out. I, he played with Kevin Nicholson. He was my, there you he go. was my roommate with the, uh, with the pirates and my lord we we play that damn game in college football till you know two three in the morning every single night and just that's what you did you know we had more we had we had a better time hanging out in our room you know yeah. sitting around just laughing goofing around than you know going out to uh, grab a bite to eat or, or a couple drinks of that yeah man you need a place to go because there's so much stress you don't realize right like so much pressure every, like we're <laughs> uh every day and people don't realize the, the and, and especially in our position as well right there's extra pressures and on top of us we're running the game so uh you, you get a chance to hang out with the guys and, and unwind and play a little video game have fun and laughter that's what that's what you, you dream of that's what it's all about did you ever did you ever get the yips um no uh did you know anyone that did uh, just some kids that I had, like, uh, some younger kids that had the yips and, uh, you know, Edgar Caceres, Caceres, 
I don't his think name, they do. His name is Chino. He's from Venezuela, but he's a coach at IMG when I was down there. He's still there. Guy's still there. Uh, he, he had a, like a pretty good little way to get out of the yips. And I, I've used it a few times with some of my, my players and it's helped a bit. How about you? No, but that, I mean, this is like the, the big question that yeah. like I'll, I'll get messages on Twitter and that, and it'll be just from like a high school kid and say, Hey, I have trouble throwing back to the pitcher. You know, what would you suggest? And you know, me, I'm, first movie reference i'm like well watch major league two yeah. you know and then buy a playboy and then you know read the articles and recite them when you throw it back and you should be good yeah um, but i mean I, I think i think with something like that is if you have a problem throwing back to the pitcher it's so mental you know where yeah. you go in to throw and next thing you know your arm feels like it's going in slow motion yeah i always just tell the kids look just tell your pitcher to bear with you and you're going to yeah. come up catch Absolutely. the ball and literally come up with your footwork and like you're throwing down to second yeah you know fire back to him until you get comfortable i've seen the guys that have done like the little the little flip the little basketball um free throw throw you know the yeah. lot yeah. yeah you know i don't know i mean i i hate i hate getting that that question because i'm like shit i don't know i'm yeah i'm not a yeah i'm a cool man <laughs> so what what did he suggest andy yeah so we had the kids kind of like and i was surprised that he you know he was saying that get the kids you know when they catch the ball you know immediately just flow through the up catch flow and lob it like and 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 and, and parachute it right nice and easy i was like what so anyway it, it seemed to have like worked and, and, the, and throw from your knees back too, like everything that you would tell a kid not to do. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so I think maybe somebody said, let's just do the total opposite of what everybody's telling them to do. Like catch the ball, throw on your knees, loop it. Like the guy could easily steal, you know, right. from the home. It's like a catcher's. You, we see that more than any, Oh, I want to do that. But cause we always want to, you know, teach that catcher a lesson. And, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I tell you what, I think it's such a, like Chris is saying, it's such a mental thing. I was yeah. always so nervous, no matter what the situation was, guy on third, guy on first, nobody on. Yeah. And you're playing in front of a crowd at least of, you know, 4,000 plus, let's call it that. And I was just nervous for, from the, the optics standpoint. I'm like, I don't want people to think I suck because I can't throw back to the pitcher. But I was always, every single throw that I made, I was like, gosh, just hit him right in the, you know, the left side. If it was a right-handed pitcher, hit him in the glove side, you know. And I tell you what, it, it kind of screwed me mentally. Thankfully, I never had the yip, yeah. but I always thought about it. I always thought about it. I'm like, God, just hit him right there. Hit him right there. Hit him right there. So, See, I always like to, to throw the ball. When I, would get, when I would get it, I would always try to, especially like in college and early in pro ball, I'd get the ball and I would almost want to try to throw it harder back to the pitcher than he threw it in. And not just to try to show up or say, Hey, look at me, I've got a good arm, but it also, it created it creates that tempo. You know, sure. the guy throws a strike, bam, give it back to him. Yeah, no. again, now he's ready to go. No, I love that, man. Like tempo, man, is, is can be a hitter's nightmare, man. Like I've, how many times did you ever get, you know, bullied into having to swing at a ball that you didn't want to because you got sped up? I mean, I love that. You know, get the ball that was, back. That was my career. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> six or ten times maybe but I, I always thought it, that's what I try to I tell my catchers you know like you said get it ball get the ball back get the sign down and let's get a let's get that pitcher in motion while he's kind of still with that right foot in the box I love that I love the speed up man let's go edge absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely so Andy are, are, are you doing any uh instruction right now what are you what are you up to these days yeah, so um, since last year, when when uh, when we all found out that uh, we were all getting shut down, we were in. I was with Team Canada last year. I was uh, with the junior national team. I was. Uh, in, it was one of my uh, goals when I came up here. I talked to Greg Hamilton with uh, Baseball Canada, and I told him, "Hey, like we've got a great relationship." I was, you know, a four-time member with the national team, played in the Olympics in '04, and. Uh, came out of retirement for that one, worked, worked hard and made the squad and went to, went to Greece and uh, build more, just keep building those relationships. And, uh, and I talked to Greg when I moved back up here and said, listen, you know, like it's a dream. Uh, coaches can still have dreams. You know, we, we, one of my dreams was to anytime represent your country is, a, is a, the biggest honor that, and the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. And, uh, so uh, he said, uh, you know, you've earned it. I go, well, I just want you to know that uh, it's my dream. And I, and I try out. Hey, just come watch the coach. I felt like a kid again. He's like, you don't need to try out. I was like, I'm just letting you know I'm taking this serious. So anyway, I got invited to be the coach, uh, the catching coach down there. And I took the, I had those guys down there. And it was a really amazing honor getting on the plane, getting that gear, you know, the Team Canada gear. Got a little hat here. <laughs> nice. Canada's always representing, right? Um, and uh, and so that was what I was doing. So up, as of that last year, then it shut down, right? We played the Blue Jays in an exhibition game, and the young guys got shellacked like 22 to 11 or something like that. But they got to experience, you know, a big league atmosphere. I threw, I threw three rounds of BP that day. I was just psyched up. And, uh, and then um, since then, uh, you know, since it hit, everything got shut down. So I kind of been just freelance and I was with the Toronto Mets there for about four years, but uh, because of the, the situation, they, they, you know, everything got cut back. So I just, you know, just was been doing my own stuff uh, on my own. I've got a, a nice little clientele up here. And, and then I started, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I just uh, reconnected with my roots here in Oshawa. Um, they got an elite program here. I mean, it kind of makes sense. I'm from here. I'm, you know, born here and they've got a great program. And uh, so they've, you know, I've committed to, to do some work with their catchers and hitters and, and uh, also with over at uh, another program with Rob Butler and prospects. They have yeah, more, Rob and Rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do, they're, they're, Rich is now doing his own thing in Bowman village, which is about okay. um, 40 minutes from their other facility where it was been there for 20 plus years, but I do the catching over there and then, and then I work something out. I do the catching, and then they give me, you know, we, we have a nice relationship. So, uh, like, today I had three lessons today. I got four tomorrow. So, we're, we're going outside. It's, it's pretty good, and, and, and I've been enjoying it, man. You can – it's just nice to be able to make a living and um, do the things that you want to do at, at, you know, turning 50 this year. Uh, one of the things I want to spend more time out on the boat. I mean, you saw me. I saw the, one of the things that – those live videos last year. Was, we got a houseboat, and uh, – you know, got some property in the woods. And when you said about the wood look, and that's actually one of the reasons why, and, you know, getting out in the cottage and things like that. And that's one of doing some fishing and just being out in the wilderness and, and, and being able to relax. Right? We've been entertaining our whole lives, right? It's nice to get out there and just kind of 
chill on a lake and that's so i've been doing a little bit of both and and uh it's been it's been great love being home family's here too right mom's dad i've been gone too long right sacrifice this game has sacrificed a lot with family and now i've been able to come home and and spend time with brothers and I mean, not but no brothers but sisters anyway no brothers that i know about anyway you're my brother <laughs> hey, baseball up in canada is like a uh it's such a a small tight little fraternity you know like you yeah. i remember the old four team you know played you see a lot of the guys that you played against in the minors and then they're you know those guys are just like a group of minor leaguers you know and they're it just seemed like they were super well, just super tight, you know, yeah. relationships like forever. Um, what mm. is, what was, shit, what was, what was the Olympics like, man? What did, you know, the, the games are just games, you know, you're, you're playing a game, same as you've done, you're playing against guys from Venezuela, Puerto Rico, U.S., but yeah. what, what was like the opening ceremonies? Oh. Tell, okay. tell me about that. That's got to yeah. be just insane, dude. Well, I'll have to send you the picture, man. I got a couple of photos from that. Um, just like going, like getting together. What they do is they have all the, all the athletes have to, in like a holding tank in an arena, like all the countries. Mm -hmm. So they're like, you know, they're calling you like, Canada, you know, up next. And you're like, you know, 20 minutes. And then the whole um, Olympic team, you know, a couple hundred people, all different athletes, from, you know, are all congregating, and then we all line up, and then, dude, it was amazing walk. I got the footage when we're walking into the stadium. There's a hundred thousand people, you know, and then at the um, in Greek in Athens, you know, the the Greek. I don't know if you've ever played any Greek teams. They all the whole crowd's yelling, Hellas, Hellas, you know. So you're walking in there, and the crowd's going. And it, you're walking up this tunnel, man. You feel like a rock star. And then finally, when you get out into the stadium, whoops, I'm here. When you get out into the stadium, it's amazing. 100,000 people and, you know, the announced Canada. And I got a nice shot where I'm like, you know, tipping my cap and I have my gear. I'm so proud, dude. Like, it's just, it's just full of emotion and excitement and buildup and the journey that it took to get there, right? Like, it was kind of like, you know, like a, like a Rocky film for me, you know, Eye of the Tiger, you know, One Last Shot, you know, Eminem song, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and it was it was like finally being able to get there, man. I'll tell you what, it was very emotional. Um, the team, we finished fourth. It's the worst spot to finish. We were, we were like uh, robbed of um, the chance to go to the gold medal game against Australia, who we had beaten 10 nothing. We had, we were playing Cuba in the semifinal, and then Kevin Nicholson, he pinched hit for me um, in the bottom of the whatever in the, in the, in the eighth inning, bottom of the eighth. And he hit a ball to the, to the wall that Cepeda jumped up and caught at the top of the wall. And the wind was just friggin' like, it was like straight in. And, um, I, okay. And that ended the game, by the way, we would have taken the lead. Uh, the bottom line was like, there, there was so much emotion when you go to the Olympics like I and Rob Ducey, that was his last game. Paul Jarek, he was on the team. They had all these old guys. Mm -hmm. So I tell you what, I never, you know, when they say there's no crying in baseball, uh, that would approve that statement wrong, right? There was grown men there just bawling their eyes out. We were so close. We had to play Japan the next day. We lost uh, like I think it was like six to one or whatever early in the morning. And then, you know, the old saying is like kissing your sister, right? Fourth play. <laughs> 
but it's not about the metal. It's about the experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I don't know about that, but we're really close, and it was a great experience that I'll never forget. So are are the stories are the stories that for all the single guys with the Olympic Village, are all those mingling stories true? The Canadian baseball uh, um, side of things, we we had quite the reputation with the the building that didn't sleep. Um, but that's just what we do, man. We we played hard off, and we 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 played twice as hard on the field. And it is true, yes. The food there is amazing. Like it's an arena of food, right? Like they have a McDonald's in there. It was crazy. I was like, and it was so it's so funny that only the baseball players were eating McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like all the athletes are eating like rice, one kernel, and a piece of dried chicken. And then there's the ball players. Give me the uh, <laughs> cheese. Or oh, that's Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> With a cold beer next to it. <laughs> and then once they once they they were done their uh, you know whatever it is that they were there at the Olympics for they they're in that McDonald's line the next day. I want to jump over into uh, talking a little bit about um, some drill stuff that you, that you like to do um, yeah. when you're training catchers or even hitters. You talked about um, what your roles are now, what you're doing today, and uh, from a coaching size, coaching standpoint, would like to kind of gauge what what you do when you, you get a raw catcher that comes into you. Um, maybe it's a high school kid. Maybe we could talk about a high school kid. Like, what what would sure. you do when you see a raw, raw kid come in? He's got some potential. He can throw the ball a little bit and yeah, um, has some athleticism. Well, you know, like I have some things that I when I talk to kids about. Um, one of the things that uh, I always ask the kids. And I say to him, what would you rather have, a better pop time or throw more runners out? You know, I always, we always get into depth about that. And uh, I know there's a time and a place for a pop time because it showcases. Unfortunately, showcases for guys like me, I, I may not have gotten to where I need to be if I would have been just a showcase performer because I needed, I needed to be, have that in-game um, performance to, to, to show off exactly what I have. So... Um, one of the, so I always talk about like, um, you know, I ask them that question and they answer, uh, well, you know, they say throw more runners out and I go, well, then we've got a lot to talk about, right? Like your responsibility is to control all that, right? It's not just about how quick you throw, what's that pitcher doing? Are you paying attention? Like if I didn't have, like, the thing is that we take advantage of like, pitchers in the major leagues, they know how to field their position. They understand the value of a hold. They understand the value of an inside move or a, or a no look or mixing up your looks and all that, what it can do to a base runner. These younger catchers don't have no idea. They, you know, they're just, just like, you know, they're not thinking about that side of things. They're just thinking about fastball up and away. How hard can I throw? I want to throw the guy out. <laughs> yeah. You know that catcher, the old up and away guy all the time. Oh, he yeah. throws that fifty percent of the catch. Yeah, I know because every time there's a guy in first, I can see it fastball up and away. I'm like, what the hell? Um, uh, so like I always talk about the values of you know, you know the priority. You know the priority. A lot of good things happen when you put catching the ball as a priority, right? Like I mean, just there's all kinds of good things that can come into that. You get better footwork. You're not lunging forward. 
And you know what? One of the most important things, like you're going to get that low strike for your pitcher. Like if, um, especially when there's a when there's a runner that's running, you know, like the old the biggest play I think is the old strike him out, throw him out. I love that play, right? Because it shows a lot of discipline, especially on a low pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, you put the priority of catching that, get that strike for your pitcher. You know, one, you'll be on the good in the good books with the pitching coach and the pitcher. But two, you'll end up having better footwork, being better position to throw. You'll be able to have a better pop time. You, you you're gonna catch. You're gonna everything's gonna be so much cleaner and better for you as a catcher by you know putting that priority of catching the ball first and I'm really seeing it a lot lately with the one knee stance like guys aren't cheating like you know like like trying to like get around the ball or or you know or pivot around it to try to funnel it in quicker guys are on one knee they're catching it and guess what they're doing then they're getting up and throwing you know like they're getting foot down and go you know so I'm not seeing so like I'm not seeing that remember when we were younger it was almost like you're like going forward going forward going forward now, if you're going forward what are you doing you're coming up and so and now you're now you're asking that pitcher to throw a nice low pitch down on the strike zone and, and now, now you're coming up right so right. like so i always like really mention about like we can talk about footwork but i say hey listen even if you don't ever you know do anything with your footwork which you need to um, you're still going to be a better thrower just on that, keeping that priority of catching the ball first because you're just going to you know, be in all those good qualities and make a better position to throw more runners out. So that's like one of the things that I really, um, you know, talk to, talk to the guys about because that's what they're interested in. Catchers want to throw guys out. You know, that's what we want. I mean, but really, you know, we should be focused on other things like, you know, catching the ball first. And, you know, and, and, and I mean, there's, there's tons of things. There's so much more that we want to talk about. But, you know, introducing right. a guy into the – into like when I'm first talking to the you know, catcher, I'm always looking at his feet. How is he throwing the ball? Like, uh, like I want to see his – I don't want to see his right foot toe pointed at the pitcher when he's throwing. I want to, I want to see that ankle bone like, like a pitcher would, how he has to turn it. I want that ankle bone, that ankle eye directly at my target and everything follows in, right? So I'm all about doing stuff the right way. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really in my throwing with my shoulder this way. And then, you know, I'm always trying to keep, trying to do everything fundamentally correct, man. That's, that's what I tell every time. I feel the bunt. I want thinking that there's a coach watching me. Like if I'm playing catch at 200 feet, I'm hitting that guy in the head because I'm feeling like somebody's watching me. I don't know. Maybe nobody's watching, but I'm thinking that somebody's watching, you know, and I'm challenging myself like, hey, there is somebody watching me. And just like what you said about throwing pit ball back to the pitcher, like I, I with pitchers get pissed. You know, there's some pitchers that have attitudes, right? Like we are like, dude, come on, hit me in the chest. You're like, screw you, buddy. <laughs> but you're like, he's right. And then you get that's when I might get a little yippy when he starts getting on me because I'm starting to aim it. But uh, all, all those things, so I always concentrate on making – like, I almost thought that I was going to make the team as long as I, if I throw hit the guy in the chest every time, you know. Like, yeah. that's just the way I thought. No, I, what about you, man? Well, no, I love that. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to do a presentation um, as it related to, to throwing with this – during this coaches' convention and stuff. And I think Chris and I agree a lot with a lot of the stuff. I think the, the footwork is almost binary to the top half. And I talk about it a lot. You're absolutely right. You catch the ball in the pocket squarely every time, you're going to have a consistent transfer. Yeah. And the one guy that we spoke about um, 
and that the guy that I don't think he gets enough credit because I don't think he's a, a social media guy, or at least people don't know him, but I know Chris knows him and it's um, uh, Cousins, Timmy Cousins, and right. he's the bench coach now for the Orioles. But okay. he just made it very simple. It's catch ball, transfer, right <laughs> step. Your left foot is your stride foot. Your right foot's not your stride foot. Um, <laughs> And, you know, it's throw with your ass to create arm and hand speed. You know, right. your left shoulder is your, your direction. You know, your right, your right insole, like you spoke about with the, yeah. the pitcher pivoting and making that turn, yeah. that creates your anchor and your drive. And That's the quicker right. you get that down, the faster yeah. your hand moves, you know. Exactly. And, and, I, and I love what Chris has done, too. He, he's turned me on a lot. of. I, you have to remind me, Chris, is it top velocity? Where they talk a lot yeah. about that hip shoulder separation. Oh yeah, it's like you're you know you watch. I watch a lot of football quarterbacks throw. You know, and you watch these guys as their shoulders are turning backwards or turning into position. Their hips are pivoting forward or turning forward towards the target, yeah. and then you get that elasticity or that torque, and then the ball just goes. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember when everyone <clears throat> they had that video of Dak Prescott? Who was yeah. doing a warm-up yep. score, and he was working on the hip-shoulder separation. And I mean, ESPN, those guys were all. Everyone was making fun. But I'll tell you what, all the baseball guys that had any idea that teach throwing, yeah, go like we all came out of the woodwork and literally jumped the guys from ESPN. Anyone who was making comments on that, you like, you don't know, you're you've never thrown a ball. Yeah. You know, if, if you're if you can't see that right off the bat saying, no. oh, he's all he's doing is delaying his arm. He's creating whip. You know, yeah. he's he's allowing his hips to lead everything. Sounds, like familiar, sounds like I know you I know you don't know this very much as much as I do, but it sounds like hitting. Right. Like same kind of idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's OK. Sounds like, good. <laughs> that's what slow motion video has done to this game, in my opinion is that that even with the hitting, you know, yeah, okay, I was taught, you know, we can get into this too. I'm not – this is a catching show, but same idea, right? The same old school versus new school. But not just that, but actually really being able to see what's going on with the body and then with all the technology that you were even throwing on there, Chris, with, with that uh, – the machine that was, you know, showing your, your spine and your, all your angles and, like, your, your bones and stuff and how they work and – I thought that was cool. But, yeah, you watch those slow-motion golfers when they're hitting, like, you know, when they do that Minolta camera, you see the hips facing the target mm -hmm. and they lag and whip with their club, which is basically a lot of the same things with throwing and hitting. Uh, we, know, we know the relationship very well. So everything that you're doing that's familiar with throwing is what I would talk to the kids and you know same about hitting especially with that coil and that knee to knee and getting your using your butt lower half you know anchoring down you know right. the same you're using as a hitter and the same anchor that anchor is famous it's it's the anchor it's the way it is that's it that's how you're not that I understand guys when they I hate when hitters turn that back foot straight and oh I want to get my you know what is that anyway yeah yeah <laughs> pivoted. I want to be quicker on the inside. Okay. Well. But anyway, I, but I, I like that's totally exactly what I'm what I'm um, experimenting with. Exactly. I, I tell all my kids to follow uh, under two catching, 
I'm not on social media as much as what I'm doing, um, as much as what you're doing. But I always tell guys that uh, I watch certain guys that I give them my time because I believe in what they're doing. So you guys need to follow these guys. And I always recommend um, under two catching, and uh, and you you of course as well. The good row good row is it good row kit catching? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. There you got stuff. I was actually checking out your page today. I'm always following you. I love your stuff. I've uh, I, I copy a lot of stuff and have my kids watch and and it's almost like this is exactly what I'm talking about. Take a look, guys, and then it's a great it's a great way to to, to get a, your point across. And I like it. But you guys. No, are and, and, and thank you for saying that. I think we're it's safe to say the catching community itself. I think we all we all have similar passions and, and similar um, you know mm -hmm. as far as how we approach you know teaching teaching the game I think we're all about teachers we're all teachers right and I, yeah. I, I think it's crazy to think and we go back into when we were talking about the stat rats and the guys that are really <laughs> valuing you know analytics over everything but you're seeing far less former catchers that are becoming managers I think we were just talking before we mm -hmm. we uh, started the record button but like Aaron Boone you know you know grandpa was was pretty darn good right yeah. and and um you know i think that's the thing and and you know dad was pretty good too but like i think it takes just it's not a personality it's a way of your viewpoint yeah. you're having constant interaction with somebody to either you know motivate uh jump their ass when it needs to be jumped um and and you're dealing with you know 14 different personalities as mm -hmm. it relates to a pitching staff. So those guys to me yeah. are always going to be, you know, if, if I ever am the GM of a club, I'm going to hire in a man, you know, a guy that caught. And no, absolutely. Come on. I'm, I'm proud of that, that whole catcher manager. It's, it's, you got no choice other than to learn the game. There's no way around it. If you you're going to be, you're going to learn whether you like it or not. You're going to be put, you're going to, you're going to have a lot more knowledge. And, and like you said, being able to deal with all those personalities and deal with that responsibility. Yes. You know that, and that's what, <laughs> that's like going to, that's like going to a four year university. Come on. That's right. where you go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a selfless position. I mean, to me, uh, and this is just my thought period. It's like, you know, every so often I'll throw out a question like, or somebody will ask me a question like, what do you value most in the game? And it had, all it had to do with the game management. Could I navigate somebody fr from pitch one to, to, you know, the third out of a game? And could there be a zero in the run column for the opposing team? Did we, if I caught a shutout, I did my job, right? Yeah. I think we all felt that way. Sure. Self, you know, selflessly, we were working for the pitcher. It wasn't, you know, selfishly, I want to go four for four. Now, if I contributed with a hit, it was awesome. You know, we, I think, I can't remember, Chris, you have to remember this one, but um, we were talking about Mike Piazza. And somebody yeah. said, oh, what do you think about Mike Piazza? And somebody goes, oh, oh he didn't care if Mike Piazza was behind the play because he knew that he was going to knock in four or five <laughs> runs that game. You know, he didn't give a shit. But, yeah. um, but I think it's just, it's something unique and, and, something that's being lost i think in today's game you know uh, well, sadly enough they don't need us anymore they don't need well, that well, i was really 
Yeah, I was, you know, not to bring up the Astros or anything, but, um, you know, I was kind of glad to see A.J. Hinch come back into the game. You know, yeah. how much of that was he a part of? Who knows? Supposedly yeah. he took the bat to the, to the monitor. But I was really excited to bring him back because he was a catcher, right? He yeah. was a former catcher and very right. smart guy. And, um, you know, I, I, I see a lot of it, you know, I mean, but it is neither here nor there. But um, I guess jumping back into to more of the drill stuff. So we talked a little bit about the throwing. Um, how about the, the receiving aspect? Because you mentioned that, you know, catching the ball, number one, obviously yeah. that's what the name of the position is. What's, what are some things that you're doing for, for that? Yeah, you know, so we all know with the new catching the low pitch is things like there's a lot of things that have that they're trying to change kind of like with the hitting and try to try to create more things and that than I think is necessary. Uh, like the really like that low pitch when, when you're, you're reaching out and going up, you're reaching out and going up like the only time you're really doing that anyway is on that really on that low pitch. So, you know, I learned to adapt if, if, you know, guys want to have that feel of reaching out and up. I was more of an absorber kind of guy, a little absorbent up rather than out, like reaching out and going up the elevator chute. I was kind of like, just like an absorber. So, so I adapted because I, I wanted to learn. So, you know, once again, we, I adapt because, for the kids' sake, you know, they might have a coach that is going to – they're going to need to – he likes that style of receiving. So I try to teach uh, – bring it to their attention to do both. And, and, and I say, hey, you pick one. And who says that you can't, you know, do both? <laughs> right. And knowledge in both. Uh, so I, we, we work on those um, – a lot of the, you know, copycat drills, like things that you, you know, would see that you guys would put out or things that uh, I see or – uh, I don't try to recreate the wheel, right? I just, I just focus on uh, quiet hands and, and quiet movements. And like, cause there was a time where, or, or uh, I was thinking that I didn't, I couldn't see myself. You know, we didn't have video like they have video now, right? Like every pit. And uh, like I saw, I could see myself kind of like, like restless getting into my stance, you know, and not really being quiet and, you know, moving around and not knowing I'm doing that. And, but at the same time, the pitcher's like, just stop moving around. <laughs> and, you know, my glove, instead of like, you know, dropping my glove like this, like guys that would totally flip their glove down and then roll it, you know, and then, and then get caught last second, uh, you know, things like that, like cleaning up your movements and your glove movements and staying quiet. It's just some, a lot of the things I work with receiving. I do both, both styles of, 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 of receiving. Um, and I'm not a stick guy. I'm more of an absorber. Like I said, like, you know, especially if the ball's up in the zone, you want to absorb a little bit more. And at the lower the pitch, you want to reach out and get it, man. Like get it before it goes out of the zone. That's always been the case as, as long as I've been alive anyway. So, but I think that the main thing, if you want to have, a, you know, a good, good looking receiving is that you got to get your glove below the, below the strike zone. You got to work from the bottom of the strike zone up. There's no, and, and, you know, thumb down, man. Like, I wish I would have known a little bit more about thumb down, you know, on that low pitch. And if it was okay. I would have had less stress on my thumb uh, over the years, right? Like, but I think that that's the main thing that, that I'm seeing is, uh, um, like, I talked to my coach, Brian McCroby. There was a time when, when he was uh, catching, he, they do the three-quarter turn. Remember the three-quarter turn? Mm -hmm. 
hearing a three-quarter turn. If it was low, you'd even catch a, a breaking yeah. ball like that back in the day. And my poor coach, he, like, you know, when we're talking about this pitch here, like getting, getting around it, you know, this way, you know, Chris, you were doing that a long time before guys were doing it. Like, instead of being, you know, more vertical with that glove, you know, getting this way, mm -hmm. that elbow up, you know, that was a time like, hey, you don't want to lift that elbow. Yeah, you do want to lift that elbow up. I do <laughs> I do want to get vertical with my, with my glove a little bit so that I'm not going to take my thumb off on this, on this, on Kelvin Escobar's two-seamer, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, like, so I think that, you know, that's, that's some of the things, just learning to adapt and, and, and try to keep with, the times uh, and, and, and trying to really see why they're doing it. Right. Like uh, just try to adapt and, and, and stay in the game because if you're not adapting, you're going to get left behind. I think. Who is your, who is your guy that you kind of uh, kind of mimicked or modeled yourself after, you know, when you were just starting out? Well, you know, the thing is, is like uh, when I really didn't really have anybody, I was kind of like just my – I was kind of like on my own. Like, I had some good catching coaches, right? Like, we, we had, like, the Royals. We had, like, Polberg, and we had, you know, Miserock, and we had uh, Bob Boone, and we had the Boones. And, and you know, like, so I – but he's a whole different style. Like, Sal Fasano went all into the, with the Bob, Bob Boone style. I couldn't mm -hmm. get my – that, right? Like, so I, that was just something that he fell in love with. But we didn't really have – you know, I really didn't have a mentor, you know, like just – in being Canadian, like, we didn't even realize that I was even going to even play baseball, right? I was like it, – it didn't even occur to me as a young player because I didn't start catching until I was 16, right? And then, then it happened fast, 16, and I was – I signed as a free agent when I was 19 or 18. So, so three, three years into catching – sorry, I lost you. Three years into catching, I was, I was just learning, right? So, no technical difficulty. Come on. No, you're good. Yeah, so, you know, I really didn't, you know, mimic anybody. I just – I did – I kind of liked, liked the way Bob Boone received on some things, and I liked the way he, he, he'd catch it. He'd, he'd just move his arm back like this, you know, like he'd go, you know, and throw. I thought that was cool. Um, you know, I always picked his brain. Like I, I said to him, what would you say to a guy? Like, you know, here, like if he's missing his pitches, what, what kind of conversation do you have? And he says, you know, he said, hey, listen, hey, you all right? He, he, he was telling me what to say. And I go, he goes, I would go, I would go, yeah, how you doing? He'd feeling good. All right, here's what we need. We need a fastball down the strike zone with a little action. All right, I'm going to set up right down the middle and you're going to split the plate. You good with that? Yeah, let's go. You know, and that was, that was like what he told us. So I, for years, I, I would say that to the guys. I would go out and say, hey, you know, all we need, man, I need a fastball right down the middle, man. Just a little, something down on the strike zone with a little action. We're good to go. We'll get a ground ball right here. Okay. All right. Let's go. How about that blonde in the stands right there? Is she cute? <laughs> <laughs> Something stupid, right? Because that's what I did. I like to have fun. That's what George would have said. How come, how come Tigger has no friends? Because he hangs out with Pooh all the time. <laughs> ah. Stole that from Kendall when he was on the show. That was, that was a good one. Who, right. So who do you, if that was back then, is there anyone that uh, when you're watching games now, any catcher in particular that you're like, man, I really like watching this guy. Yeah, I'm going to go out yeah. of my way to watch him. It's so funny, man. Like, you know, like 
I'll watch some games, but I, 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 I've watched so many games. I'm, I'm not saying I'm like anti-baseball now. Like I just, I just don't watch too much, but one of the guys I really like, and I don't know is forget his name is with the pod. Caden Shapiro always makes funny. He goes, you don't even know any of the players nowadays. I go, I don't need to, you know, like, it, and, uh, um, it's the guy with the Padres, the catcher with the Padres. I like him. Is that Noah? You know? Austin Noah? Yeah, I like him. I thought he very was very athletic. He's a, he's very, a real athletic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna, now, now that, now that I'm just being honest with you guys, I'm going to have to step up my game a little bit on the catchers and start, start focusing up. You know, I watch a lot of Blue Jays, you know, like Jansen and he's all right. Um, um, you know, I watched that, uh, um, the guy with Tampa Bay, uh, the Italian dude, Nizuno. Zanino? Zanino, yeah, I like, he looked pretty good. Uh, he's okay. Um, their backup, I didn't like him too much. Um, he wasn't very good. But, you know, I, I got to check it out a little more, right? But uh, Chris Snooze, I'm watching him a lot. <laughs> 50 year old. That old fart. I'll tell you what, my legs are so, like, I did, I caught that bullpen last Friday night. And I couldn't move Saturday or Sunday. My hammies, my ass was just so – felt like I got hit with, like, hockey pucks. No doubt. Uh, and, and, of course, I did. I got hit on hockey with hockey pucks on Sunday when we had practice. But, uh, How'd yeah, you do man. Were you playing goalie? Eh? No, I was skating. You know, I, we had um, we had a couple practices left, and we, it was just basically okay. scrimmages. But, you know, yeah, I, I still skate with the kids and everything. and. Awesome. But I'll tell you what, from catching the, catching the bullpens, I played around with – I tried to literally do every stance that I knew and yeah. then try to, try to expand on it, try to see if I could feel something different. Mm -hmm. One of the things with the – you know, I, I ex experiment a lot with the one knee. Um, I yeah. teach it. But yeah. I try to go, like, in crazy depth with it. So, yeah. like, for instance, on, on Friday – I would always teach the kids go left knee down and then this way you can kind of lean into your right leg and it's, it's comfortable. It's comfortable position. Absolutely. You know, if the balls in front, balls in front of you. You just put your glove, you know, over your cup and absorb it. If it's yep. to your left, you can push off. You yeah. Know, the the hard, hardest thing is always getting to that. What do you do to move laterally with the leg that is up in the air? That's kind of the tough move. Yeah. So, what I started to do is I saw a video, I posted it um, on the, the San Francisco Giants, like from one of their spring training, their drills and that. And yep. I noticed that a couple of their catchers from a, when their right knee was down, they had their, their left heel kicking yep. out. So it wasn't flat, you know, like a lot of the guys do. They actually had, it, it was their heel in the ground, their toes were in the air. Ah. And so I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to try this. And literally I'm, so I'm catching a bullpen of like 14 year olds. I had one kid throw a ball in the dirt that yeah. was literally at my left ankle. And yeah. that's the leg that's up. It was up on my heel. Yeah. All I did was react, but I literally just bent my knee. I bent my yeah. knee that way and yeah. my body followed it. And I yeah. covered like probably four feet without having to push off. So I was like, wow, this is different. Maybe this is how you, this is, maybe this is the key to moving that Lateral. way to block yeah. a pitch. Because sure. if your foot's, if your foot's grounded, you yeah. can't. And then I'm like, well, shit, this is really right. in depth now because now you got to make sure that your, your toes are pointed in a certain way be, so they can actually go down first and then you allow your knee to bend 
And then I'm right. just like, shit, my mind's going to blow up because it's yeah. too much information. And then I start little bits at a time, but I'm always trying to, trying to figure out an easy way. Like I always tell my kids, I said, I, I want you to catch where it looks like, like literally you haven't slept in a weekend and you roll out of bed and just catch. I said, yeah, it's not that you're being lazy or that you don't care. You're not putting effort. I said, I want you to look so smooth and yeah. so relaxed that people right. are like, Jesus, they, they're, he's not, look at how easy that is for that kid. That's what you said, want. There's a trick to being yeah. easy. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it was fun. I, I had fun with it. I can, you know, as long as I'm still able to move, um, yeah. you know, the, the kids keep me young, but it's, um, <laughs> it's just this whole new era of catching is, you, you almost have to do it yourself to kind of feel what everyone's feeling and then expand on it and see yeah. if there might be a, might be some, something that someone might've missed that'll make it easier. You know, like Gary, Gary Bennett posted, yep. a, you know, on Twitter the other day about, you know, a catcher in the seventh inning was on a knee and a ball went to his right. And he just looked like he didn't want to go down and block it. Like he, he yeah. half-assed it. Ball yeah. got by run scored, you know, so the big, question was you know do you want your does a pitcher feel comfortable bearing yeah. that pitch if he right. doesn't trust his catcher absolutely with a catcher if you're not anticipating with a guy on third base especially you're not going to get the ball regardless of the stance you're right. in. Yeah. but you know there there just might be there might be an easier way and yeah you know i'm always i'm always out to to try to find that do you think that that uh, one knee down is going to expose that inner thigh bruise you know that, man. That 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 inner thigh. It does. Bruise, I might have to. But I was I was always like when I blocked, my main thing was always get the ball or get my glove down first yep. and get it between me and the ball. So yeah. wherever the wherever the ball is hitting, I'm always mm -hmm. getting my glove in front of it. So I don't yeah. like I, I see the kid the guys that just kind of they're on one knee and they kick out to like Tony Pena and drop straight yeah. down. Yeah. And then the balls are over here, over there. They just, you know, they're wearing them on their forearms and, yeah. and those are the ones they might get hit on their thigh. But if yeah. I'm, if I'm thinking, you know, block with my eyes, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to, to at least feel like I'm trying to center the ball yeah, versus yeah, just dropping down, letting it hit me and hope that it hits me in the middle. I think if you practice know, really fun. anything, right. If you practice anything, you can get good at it. Right. So just, yeah. I mean, think about how hard it is to do that anyway to block a ball it's, it's pretty when i watch it on tv i'm like wow these guys are does anybody see this these their, their announcers not even saying anything i'm right. like you're absolutely right I, you know, the, chris chris i think also had another post um it was about fastballs and mm -hmm. he had a really good point it, it, he i think you asked the question chris and correct me on this but you asked the question like you block fastballs or something like that, and if somebody says, "Yeah, you do," then you haven't caught at a high level, and that's so goddamn yeah. true. Yeah, like, you can't get your knees down in a ninety mile an hour yeah. fastball. And now, now, if you well, set up a machine, you're not gonna fucking bail, though, are you? No, um, no. You got to stay. You got to hold your ground for your boy behind you if, if you guys want to have any kind of relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just covering my. I'm just covering my nuts. That's well, it. I, I, my yeah. glove turns into an additional cup and. Yeah, and I'm just gonna let it wear. Just, just wear it. Now That's I might be able to it. block a ball, a fastball, a little bit easier if I'm on one knee than I would be if I was in my, you know, like my, you know, runner on base, but no runners right. on base. Mm -hmm. Right. What do you call that position again? <laughs> <laughs> Primary. Right. 
<laughs> See, I did. I never. Did you ever even have like my my secondary no. stance was more of a feel. It no. was never, hey, I got to get up like I'm on a stool. Yeah. All I did, if I moved an inch where I could feel my legs, then I knew that I was in my secondary. Yeah. I, I see kids that get in this, you know, they get in their L, like their legs are in an L 90 degree angle. I'm like, yeah. well, you can't receive any pitch that's low. And if a pitch is low and you're trying to throw from that position, you're going to fall over and you're going to yeah. be on your front foot anyways. So that's just like a whole new, whole different rabbit hole we can go down to, too. <laughs> I was going to say to you guys, like, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't really become a catcher until I went over to the Phillies. That was like in my eighth year. I'm going to tell you that because I, after I was in the big leagues, I went back down to double A the year, the next year for some, we, we, I played more, which is great. I had a great opportunity. Um, but then I became a free agent. I left and I went over to the Phillies. Um, and when I got over there, you know, I had a little little cup of coffee. I was feeling pretty good and that, you know, I'm, that I actually knew what I was doing back there. And then <laughs> Steve Lake goes, dude, what's up with your – you got to clean that shit up. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, man, I don't know what's going – you got to clean that up. I go, I played in the big leagues like two – like year and a half. He goes, I don't give a shit. <laughs> You're not going to play with the Phillies with that kind of, you know, setup and footwork. I was like – so I, I swear to God, I didn't start really focusing on like really getting inside footwork until I and, and it wasn't until like really the, realistically till the last game of the year when I finally had overcome the the whole foot exchange, you know, replace the feet like every kid in the world does. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wanted to get that like just get that right underneath my chin, like little bit of just tiny wee bit of gain ground wee bit right underneath me right I was like way to the side saddle like quick release great transfer on the money but it could it's going to be a lot better than that and he told me that and I started working on it and then that's where it all began that my whole getting inside it all depends on who your coach is man that's bottom line is if they use that as a priority and their other coaches they don't know or they wouldn't right. know how to teach it or uh, not every like, cause, cause at that point I never heard of it and I was in the big leagues and I'd been in the game for 10 years and I was stuck in my bubble with the Royals and nobody else said anything. Maybe when you're with the Phillies, that'd have been a common conversation. It all depends on the coaches. And if you're lucky to have a guy like, you know, for me, Laker was, was the guy that kind of opened my eyes up. And plus the other thing is when it's either do it or go home, you're going to make adjustments and all mm -hmm. our kids, I always tell my kids, have you ever been had to make changes because you had to, or they're going to take the game away from it. And they're like, no, I go, well, exactly. That's why you're not making any adjustments. That's why you're not making, you're not scared enough. You're not afraid to go home. When you're afraid to go home, you change, you make adjustments mm -hmm. or you I just go. It. Yeah. And our kids, these kids nowadays, they're not, they're, they've never been put in that situation. They will be. Mm -hmm. They go to, they go to a, a showcase tournament. And they go 0 for 4, and they're like, oh, my God, I need to work on my swing. I, you know, I'm in such a slump. And I go, slump? I said, dude, you, you go play every day for two weeks and don't get a hit? I said, that's a slump. 0 for 25? That's a slump. Yeah. 1 for, 1 for 38? That's a slump. Do you know who anybody's in a slump right now, a catcher? Good God. In the big leagues right now? God. No. Jansen. Oh, anyway. Jansen. He's like. He's like 
he was like 0 for 28 to start the season. You know what? I mentioned this today to my catching guy. I said, holy, that guy, he got out of five stars from report on him from his stat from the coaches saying that, you know what? The biggest thing of the year is this Jansen kid. He's 0 for 28, and the guy goes out there and doesn't say it. He just works his ass off for the pitchers. He's there early. He's blocking. He's catching. He's in the meetings. He's trying to do his best. He's 0 for 30. For I'd have been on the friggin' – I would have been on the, on the edge of the, of, of, the, of the building ready to jump. This guy's, you know – Mr. Like, Perfect over it's there. It's like Chris Davis, man. Do you remember well, what Chris that's Davis like Austin, the That's year? like Austin Barnes, too. Well, right? he can hit a little. He could hit a little bit, but like Chris, do you remember Chris Davis for the the Orioles? Gosh, what yeah. was he oh. last year? The year before, he was like 0 for 50. Yeah, to start the year. A couple, a couple times. A couple, and yeah. then I think I think he hit his ball, and the, the the dumbass announcer goes, "Oh, you should keep that ball or something like that." Like, how are you going to do that to a professional? Dude, yeah. I don't think anybody understands. There's there the, tomorrow's coming. Another game will be here. It's coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming. It ain't going to stop. People don't realize that. So hey, yeah, yeah. Kudos just... on Jansen being able to focus on doing a great job behind the plate, and he's over over his last forty. I mean. Uh, that guy deserves some kind of award or something. <laughs> but that's what he's not paid to do. Like a they lot haven't of even sent him down yet. Yeah, exactly. Know your role, man. And that's the other thing about being a catcher. No one really gives a shit anyway if you go if you hit. You know that. I'm like, right. can you believe I'm crying after a strike? Just get your shit on and get out there. Like, <laughs> All right. You're right. Hey, Stu, shut up and get your gear on. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> and then just do everything you can not to launch it into center field on the throw the ball to second base. <laughs> don't screw it up. <laughs> oh, don't take your at bats out on defense. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Chris, you never had that problem, did you? No, because I never hit. <laughs> hey, I'm you're just like, I'm like, let me just get out there and try to catch and throw people out. Hell of a catcher and a hell of a teammate. It goes a long way. That'll keep a job for a lot of people for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tend to your own garden. Do, do what your – know what your strengths are. Know what your weaknesses are. Work on your weaknesses and, and develop your strengths. Yeah. That's it. And you can play a long time. That's right. Well, shoot. I actually had questions besides the uh, – after that Canadian national anthem. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I we took, gave you the I night off. Long. The speed round was not very fast. <laughs> they were, you know, they were fast in the very beginning. When we first started, we were going, it was like one word answers. Yeah, yeah. And then, then they turned into full discussions and we're like, all right. Yeah, exactly. You got you to set, the, set the rules there. Hey, you know, keep it under 10 seconds. Okay. Hot we're, corner. We're slacking. What do we call it? The what? It can't be the hot that's corner. The, that's the blocking, the blocking drill. Rapid, rapid blocking. Rapid yeah, like. fire blocking. Yes. So anyway, I had one more thing for you guys if you're interested before we can wind what you this. Got? Huh? What? I got. To, well, I wanted to let, like, you know, in case you guys were going to ask me, I had this, you know, I was kind of preparing for you guys. Like, I had the same <laughs> funny story. And, uh, you know, if you guys were, like, waiting for that, why don't you ask me, hey, give me a funny story. Keep it under two minutes. All right, here we go. Give us a funny story and keep it under two minutes. All right. My first big league start. 
in Chicago. I got Jim Pitsley on the mound and Tim McClellan's the umpire. Remember him? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. He's huge, was he? Like six, yeah, five. huge. And then, and then, and then it's Ozzy Guillen's last day as a his last game as a major league player for the White Sox. So I'm behind the dish. I and I'm just before the game. McClellan goes, "Hey, Andy, come here." I'm like, "What? Me? Yeah, you. Hey, congratulations. Thanks. I just want you to know that Ozzy Guillen will not strike out looking today." I was like, "What?" <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, mess with the fucking rookie. Hmm. All right. I don't know what his stat was that day, but he was like 0 for 0, scored three runs, whatever. And they, But it was an amazing day, crazy day. He come up there, he's tipping his cap. Ozzy, yeah. I was just sitting down there, like, looking up. This is the greatest moment of my life. Dad's in the stands. We slept in the same bed. You know, hey, stay here, Dad. You don't need to get your own room. We got a big league room, big king size. We'll put pillows between us. <laughs> and uh Ozzy comes up first pitch down the middle it's right down the middle ball Jim Pitsley like his head just like flopped up and he's like what the hell? <laughs> and I go and I go and I all right come on keep going you're all right this is the pitch and then the next pitch ball and then Pitsley puts his hands up kind of like what and he goes go talk to him Andy I'm like a robot I go out okay I'll go out and talk to him they he goes where the hell were those pitches I go, just he, he said he missed them and a little bit out, whatever, you know, just trying to keep the peace. I don't know what to do. I don't tell anybody. Like, I might, hopefully, my the strike zone is like really, really, really tiny when I'm hitting. Maybe he'll hook me up. So, anyway, <laughs> didn't quite work out. I did end up going one for three, but I didn't tell anybody the whole time. And, and, and it had like four pitches in there. I was in all out of sorts. The fact that I had this secret with Tim McClellan that my own, my own pitchers were getting screwed every time Ozzy Guillen came up, and I didn't know what to tell him. I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like tell on Tim McClellan. Maybe he like strike three, strike three. I never he bury me or something. I was you know so anyway that was just funny that it worked out that way. I, I and that guy man he's he's a he's had some issues. He had the, he's with the George Brett with the pine tar. I thought that yeah. was cool. yeah. So I had that connection. The same guy. That's that's the guy. I wonder if he does that to all the rookies. That's funny. <laughs> like you don't have enough pressure already, and now you got to deal with, hey, if it's a strike, you're not going to get a strike. Yeah, he's not striking out today. And I wanted to look back that that see really what his stat line was. And I get, I don't know. He must, you know, he had a couple scored a couple runs and a couple walks. So if that's the case, then how come uh, like a first pitch fastball wouldn't have been called a strike? Yeah. Can't strike out on a first pitch. Yeah, well, he just wasn't calling it exactly. He wasn't calling. He was everything. He's was like, I'm not calling a ball on him. Or yeah, I'm not calling a strike. Yeah, he's, he's not, he wasn't going to strike out, and he wasn't even going to call a strike for God's sake. So anyway, that was wild. <laughs> awesome. It's been awesome, man. A lot of Thanks. fun, Andy. I appreciate you guys having me on here. I'm going to be really following you guys really closely and uh, making some comments now a little bit more. Put a name. Be be nice to us, and uh, absolutely. That's hopefully we can all get together soon and make this like super catchers clinic. You know, we can catcher all... super camp. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome, man. We'll tour around the, the Great White North. Yeah, we'll go on our little tour. Yeah. Hey. Easy it is when you have guys that like when you're doing a camp and you have like a couple of the kids helping you're like good the guy actually knows what he's doing over there 
<laughs> How great would that be having all of us together? We, we could just be like, oh, it should be easy. Can be yours. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. As soon as they open up these borders, we'll definitely do something and get together. Sounds good, man. You guys appreciate it. All Absolutely. Right. Thank you. All right, Stu. Have a good night, brother. All right, man. You too, guys. Tyler, thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. Guys. Talk soon. All, All right. right. Take care. <laughs>